Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley here with uh, Perso this week. How are you going this week, buddy? Yeah, good, mate. It, uh, didn't see much footy on the weekend, but yeah, travelling well. Good stuff. It was a um, yeah, it was a, a pretty up and down round. There was a few upsets and uh, stories and fines and suspensions. It was um, certainly a lot happening. I ended up with my best season score, which got a screw with that because I've been pretty horrible for the first month of the season, so I'm pretty happy to get something decent. Yeah, I can't pick a captain to save myself. I think it was the highest captain I've had this year was in his 60s. I captain Gerbo on the weekend for 44, so... Uh, I don't think you're alone there. Continuing the trend. <laughs> yeah, it was I quite a few. I safe option because I've got nothing doing, and then, yeah, 44. And I saw it absolutely terrible. And I hadn't won a game all season, so... <laughs> uh, I, uh, me and Billy were chatting about captains on last week's pod, and... Uh, I called out Cook as my um, my pod captain, and he ended up carving up. And I actually changed the captaincy right before kickoff off him. <laughs> but I put it on Tamalolo, so it ended up okay. Yeah, well, that's not too bad. That old Captain Cook looks pretty solid these days. Yeah, he's, he's, we were talking last week that he's got his lows about fifty two, I think, from memory. So when his floor's fifty two, you kind of got a pretty good captaincy option and then obviously playing against the Raiders it looked like he was going to go through up the middle and that's what happened and he gets his ton so worked out pretty well for all the cool captains. So we're going to go into market watch guys um, into our buys and sells for the week. Before we do though we're going to have a little bit of a topic discussion on buys and sells and uh, the trade market in general because it's come up a little bit in some of the chats and stuff so I'm going to have a little rant about it. Must-haves Gets thrown around quite a bit as far as this guy's a must-have, this guy's a must-trade-in for this week. Honestly, must-haves and stuff, I um, it's very, very hard to talk about because I personally don't see many players at all as must-haves, very few of them. Every now and then someone might come along. But the biggest thing is at this point of the season, a must-have for one coach is going to be very different to a must-have for another coach because if you've got a front row forward that's Absolutely stacked with front row forward guns, like a Tapao and a Sam Burgess. And another guy is starting his front row forwards with a Lodge and, I don't know, TPJ, who's a bit inconsistent. Then Fafita for that second team is going to be hugely more valuable than Fafita coming into that, that first team with the guns in it. So it's completely team variable. Don't get caught up on must-haves and stuff. No one's a must-have. It's just... What's going to work for your team, what your team needs, even with cash cows. You know, there might be a must-have cash cow, but at this point of the season, you know, if you've already got seven or eight cash cows or mid-ranges that you've got to trade out, you're not even going to have the trades to be able to get rid of those guys or the reality is you're going to end up having to start three or four cash cows that are going to score terribly. So it's very team-specific and that's my little rant of the week per se because it's been coming up a lot this point of the season. What are your what's your theory on the the must have argument? Ah, uh, you know I've had this argument for years. There is no such thing as a must have, really, except for pre round one for your must have bottom dollar cheapies that are uh, going to have three games or more. They're the absolute must haves, but the word must have is just yeah, it's thrown around way too often. 
It, as you said, it's all team variant. It all depends on the layout of your sword, which guys where you stack your guns and all the rest of it. So, I mean, there's, there's no absolute one player that's a must-have, but there's probably a combination of 10 or 15 guys that you must have sort of six to eight of them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, the other example I'll throw out there is last last week I was talking to someone online and um, spruiking how, how uh, Tom Alolo was such a fantastic buyer last week. And the, and the guy was saying, no, I don't think he's that good a buy. And after we went back and forth for a long time, he ended up posting his team. And the bloke had six second-row guns that were all like 500K to 650K. And, you know, once that happens, well, of course, Tom Alolo was never going to be a fantastic trade-in for him because he's not going to trade a gerbo to a Tom Alolo or something. It's just sideways trade. But for a bloke that doesn't have six second-row guns... Tom Lolo was a great trade-in, so very team-specific person. No, oh, 100%. That's why so it's hard to give blanket advice or anything. It's just it's just a advice of what guys are looking good and that it's all team-specific. You take that on board yourself and look at your team and see where you need the players, and that's about it. You can't really say one particular guy is a must-have. For food, it's probably looming. He's probably close to it because he's far and away the best of the front row forwards in the competition but even then if you've got guys still making money in the front row and stuff and um, you by no means must have yeah exactly so let's get into the buys and probably everyone can guess that when we're talking about buys it's um, some good options depending on your team you don't have to go out and buy all these guys depends on your team makeup and some of these guys are just people that are players that have been spoken about or traded in heavily this week that are good to chat about but you mentioned Fafita Perso so let's start with him I don't actually have Fafita and I'm trying to get him in this week. He's got a 70 BE, around about 640K. He's going to play round 13 now. He's pledged his allegiance to Tonga. And he's had 19 offloads, I think, over the last three games, which is crazy. He looks back to his desk. And uh, penalty count starting to slow itself down more in games too, which is bringing middle forwards back into it and making them super coach relevant again. So... I mean, a BE of 70, you could probably argue you don't have to bring him in this week, but uh, he's got a three-round average of 78, and that includes that injury-affected game the weekend before last. Five-round at 1.8, he's far and away um, the best-performing front-row forward and supercoach, so, and plays around 13, as you said. So, I mean, if you don't have him, you're looking at bringing him in sort of somewhere between as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's really probably this week or next week, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. When you get old, I often argue he mightn't get seven. He's not going to get much dearer. The price rise won't be much different, but it just sort of depends on juggling your side, which guys you're trying to get rid of. And a lot of that really now depends on guys like Sam Burgess getting suspended for a couple of weeks again, Brown not being named this week. So, I mean, that's going to play its hand with a few teams, so whether you can get him in or, or not, but you definitely got to be looking at bringing him in soon. Yeah, and I mean, I the other thing that I was looking at for this week, you you mentioned like he's not going to get much more expensive if you wait a week, which is a great point. You don't need to rush into it. But the thing that was kind of making me rush into it was um, he's playing the Titans, and I looked at him as a genuine captaincy opportunity as well. And I was just looking at those points, thinking you know he could have a Tomalolo type game against the Titans and um, end up with a hundred point score, and you miss out on those points if you wait a week. And then on top of that, you know, the next three weeks, he's actually got a really good run. They've got Titans, the Eels, the Raiders, where, and then they hit the, the Bulldogs and the Knights, South Tigers. So they've got they've got a really good run leading up through the bye. Until they hit the Knights, South and Tigers, which are all um, top eight teams. But prior to that, their teams are um, 
Yeah, they've got a pretty soft draw the next three or four weeks. Yeah, so um, great trading. I think we both agree. He's um, also in a position of need per so. There's not many good front rowers around. And with Sam Burgess suspended, you could pretty much argue for feeders, the only genuine gun in the front row, really. Yeah, pretty much. He's the only consistent one. I mean, five-round average is 71.8. He's a genuine captain often, too, as you said. So uh, it's uh, hard to argue. Not swapping guys with a... Oh, it's hard to argue with... <laughs> You couldn't even argue with Urgis out to prefer to trade at this stage with him missing so many games. So, all depending on the balance of his side. Yep, so he's a great trade in for this week, and uh, he's been one of the most traded in players on, on Supercoach so far, looking at the stats and stuff. So, I think a lot of people are bringing him in, which um, is good that coaches are making some good decisions, but also bad for the competition that everyone's going to end up with him in their side for 13, maybe. But moving along, we've got um, another guy to talk about. Just briefly, we mentioned, we spoke about Madison last week quite a bit, and he busted out a 65-point game, which was largely base stats as well. I'm in this position, Perso, so I'm interested in your feedback on this one. I I want to get Fafida in, but I also need to get Madison in, and I don't really want to pay more money than what Madison already costs, and he's only got a BE of around 33. Do you think that if you bypass Madison at the moment, that you're going to have a chance by round 12 that he's going to start to drop money and and be a better opportunity to buy later on? No, he'll drop money by round 12 for sure. Easy for me to say I've had him since round one, but I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be paying. He's, he's at his peak almost now. Like, you can't keep this run up. I mean, his base hat's been pretty good, and there'll be a point where he'll crack out a couple of 40s and 50s, and it'll, his price will drop. He's had a couple of tries that have in a couple of good games. That have um, given him some good scores, but I mean, he's probably the best player you can have at centre wing, obviously, because he's playing second row. But yep. um, at this point, I wouldn't be pulling your team apart to get him in. I'd just be sort of, if you haven't already got him, I'd just sort of be watching and, and waiting until his price is going to drop and then maybe pounce on him. So you reckon for feeder over Madison then? I'd take the feeder over Madison, yeah. Good advice, Perso. Let's talk about another big name, Ford, because it seems to be the Fafita versus uh, Tomalolo talk this week. I traded in Tomalolo before last week's games, uh, and I was really big on trading him in. And probably, like, we were talking about a bit of advice to people early on in the pod. Another bit of advice that I sort of try and do with these guys like Tomalolo, it's really easy for everyone to jump on after they throw up a few tons in a row and say, oh, look, I really want to buy this guy. Of course you do. He's just thrown up, you know, a few massive scores. You really need to be able to hit on these guys before they go on these runs, at least sometimes. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I think Tamalolo is a good buy this week, but I think that you really wanted to avoid him a week ago or, or even two weeks ago to really get the most out of him. He's got, gotten a little bit more expensive now. So I mean, for you, I believe you mentioned you're you're bringing Tamalolo this week. He's priced at just under 600k. You obviously still see the value in, in paying six hundred for him. Oh, there's still value for him, and he's probably going to need him for around thirteen. But me bringing him in is more to do with I can't with the amount of injuries in my back row. Tohu Harris, Brown, and Serge is being suspended. I can't carry them all, so I'm getting rid of Tohu and uh, bringing in Tomalolo. Yeah, well, he is. Um, I mean, last week it was a Titans matchup that I was waiting for, so that worked out really well. He scored eighty four points after scoring hundred the week before. Um, but he's got a great matchup this week against the Raiders as well. So, I mean, you've still got 70 grand odd off what his starting price was. So, he's still discounted. He played just under 60 minutes last week, 66 the week before. 
So, I mean, the minutes has been the big question because he started off yeah, pretty low. The big, there, the big key there is McLean's been gone. Since McLean's been gone, his minutes have gone up. Yeah, and I, you'd assume well, that would continue, wouldn't it? Well, it will. I mean, Stenson's back in the side this week, but that's not going to affect him at all because Asiata's torn his tip. So, Stenson will just come on and play that same sort of Asiata role, but obviously a less attacking sort of football type. But you'd have to think is going to be good for around about 55 or 50 minutes, and that's pretty much all he needs to be a keeper. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm really hoping that he, he nails sort of that 60 to 65 range would be ideal, and we can sort of maybe see the form that he had last year. But yeah, I, with McLean gone, like you said, you're right. I, I think it's pretty much nailed down that his minutes are going to be better than what they were that, that first half of the season so far. So he's a great buy for this week. Let's move on to some more controversial ones, though, Perso. Um, those are sort of the gun buys of the week, but then we've got a whole heap of sort of mid-range cash grab type of guys that are being talked about quite a bit. And one of them is the Newcastle Knights' Ken Seo, who somehow under the radar <laughs> has played three games. And after his 21-point game in round five, he had a mid-80s and then a... 108-point uh, game last week on the weekend with a hat-trick of tries against the, the West Tigers. <laughs> he's coming in with a minus 76 break-even. So he's already gone up a heap of cash, up to 350, just under 355k. Do you still see him as a pretty viable cash grab at 355k at the moment? <laughs> he's a dirtier purchase as a bloody milk crate hooker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's filthy. You take it like he's minus... It's going to be enticing, but he's not going to be playing Nofaluma every week, which he got three tries on him last week. Nofa is one of the worst defenders in the comp. He's already made the coin because he had a little bit of a the week before. So, I mean, <laughs> plays Manly next week, which is enticing, but then they got South and Penrith, which have both been pretty good defensively this year. I don't know if he's going to be worth the two trades for the cash grab because you're going to have to trade him in and trade him out within like two or three weeks. And... He's already made a bit of coin. He averages, I can't see him, average, especially with Pierce out as well, which is another negative. If he managed to average 40 over the next two weeks, he's not going to really make enough coin to be worth two trades, in my opinion, I don't think. Yeah, well, he doesn't play round 13 either. I'm pretty sure the Knights don't play round 13, do they? So it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround, isn't it? You're going to have to be prepared if you bring him in that in, in two or three weeks you're going to be getting him out again because... With this massive BE of minus 76, if he gets some low scores, you know, in three you weeks' time... make another 100K over the next two weeks. I mean, is that worth two trades? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, probably a lot of people are looking at the last two weeks thinking that it might be a sign of things to come. I, I don't I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one, Perso. I think that I, I don't think I could begrudge someone whose team is set up where they don't really have any other big moves to make and they actually need to make some quick cash. I don't think I could begrudge anyone from getting CO, but I don't think I would feel good recommending anyone to buy him either. No, that's right. And this season being so far that we haven't had the usual trend you get mid-season where you get all these sort of must-have mid-season cheapies that come in. We're really struggling to find those guys that for all these downgrades for the guys we started with. So that's, you certainly can't begrudge someone that's doing that with a CO, but... I wouldn't put it this way. I wouldn't be trading a Hiku to a Suga. I think that's a horrible trade. Yeah, I agree with that one. I, I think that he will get 100k over the next couple of weeks. He's going to get there. He's already gone up almost 100k already. But I think he'll get there. I just don't think it's probably worth it for a lot of teams with the makeup of the teams. But another guy that's kind of similar that there might be a better option. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Is uh, 
Mitch Ray, he's playing 80 minutes now, and he looked good again on the weekend for the Gold Coast Titans. Peets is out for another four or five weeks, I think. So he's got a pretty fair opportunity. He scored 74 points on the weekend, playing the 80 minutes, and he looks like he's going to be 80 minutes going up to the round 13 by. He's priced at just a shade over 300k, and he's got a minus 10 break even, but um, he's going to very quickly, I think, have some higher scores in his rolling average to continue to have a bit of a negative break even for the foreseeable future. Uh, how do you see Mitch Rain as a trade-in at 300k? Yeah, well, with Peach gone for four or five weeks more at least, he's a, he's a good downgrade option, Rain, for sure. He'll keep playing hard, they've got no other options, so... He did have a try assist in that 74 on the weekend, but still good. And his other dud scores off the bench will roll out of that in the next couple of weeks. So, as you said, he's, he's, he'll stay pretty low for the next few weeks. So, he could be a, uh, a serious option for people who are looking to move the really on for a few weeks and then roll in the terrain to make a bit of coin. But uh, he's only got 1% ownership, and uh, that, out of that 1% ownership, there's only 823 teams that have got him. So, he's, he's fairly well done. Not owned by anyone. So, um, yeah, he's definitely an option this week for sure. I'm going to throw out why I think the Raid's a better option than some of these other guys being bandied about. I think he's definitely better than a CO. And the reason being is because one thing that people don't... Yeah, the, the thing that coaches don't think about is um, the beauty of a Mitch Rain is you can play him in your 17 every week if you need to. And with the amount of injuries that are happening at the moment, like if you have a Sergis go down, a Tohu goes down, and Nathan Brown not named and you're struggling for your 17, you're significantly better off playing a Mitch Rain than what you are playing a Ken Co in your 17. No, and, Rain will get you 50, at least. Yeah, you're, you're guaranteed that sort of 50 floor from an 80-minute hooker, and if he gets any attack or some good offloading or anything, it's, it's just a bonus, and you've got 60, 70s like you did on the weekend. So it's, it's just... Well, you bring Co in this week, and he'll punch you out an eight. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, look, we only have to look back three weeks ago. Like we said, before he's 185, oh. he scored 21 points. Yeah, he's definitely, he is an absolute super catch bum. He's got no pedigree behind him at all. He's just picked up a couple of attacking stats in a couple of weeks. And could, he's, he's like the old David Simmons call from a couple of years ago when he scored those four tries against the Tigers or whatever it was and scored 154. Yep. Had a massive negative burr and he popped out and scored bugger all for the next couple of weeks and everyone was wondering what to do with him. He wasn't worth two trades. So it's exactly the same scenario. It's not like he's got a good base and all the rest of it you can back it up with. So take it your own peril. Yeah, so I think my strategy, if I do it, because I've got Havili at the moment and I'm not sure what to do with him, to be frank. He's potentially you could go to Mitch Rain, maybe get 150k out of him, something like that. And then. After the buy, you could go potentially straight to a Cam Smith for between uh, maybe 70 to 90 grand, something like that, which isn't much of an upgrade when you're going from mid-train to Cam Smith and then you're set for the hooker spot for the rest of the year, basically. Well, it's a pretty good angle, too, because everyone's sides are starting to get chock a block with these guys that are almost peaked. Everyone started with like your Havillies and your Lodges and your TPJs and all those sort of guys, your Robbios, and it's what to do with them now with... Um, like we said, with no bottom dollar cheapies coming in mid-season, you can use jewels and whatever to bring them in. It's what do you do with them? So guys like Rain are pretty much gold at the moment. Even though Havili's is only about 36, he's only going to milk out a, a small amount of coin over the next few weeks. So jumping early for that sort of trade is probably going to set you up in good stead. Yep. 
I have to review that one for myself. I think I think Mitrade's a, a nice sneaky cash grab. He's his role's very secure as well, so that's good. Moving on from there though, uh, Connor Watson is one who is going to benefit from Mitchell Pearce's injury. So Pearce obviously. With his torn pec, um, there's a few conflicting reports about how long it'll be. Just yesterday, it was I heard, heard it reported that it was probably going to be the season. And then he came out and said, no, he thinks it might only be 10 to 12 weeks. But either way, Connor Watson's going to benefit hugely. It's probably one of those ones, per se, where a little bit over 300k, he's, he's good value. And I think under most circumstances, people would be jumping to get him. I think the thing that's stopping coaches is... Uh, and I do this as well. When I've gotten nothing out of a guy and I've had to burn a trade to get him out of my team and he's sort of a, a non-gun like Connor Watson, I find it really hard to go back to that well and sort of swallow my pride and go, okay, I'll, I'll burn another trade to get you in and another one to get you out. Yeah, if you started with him, you wouldn't probably be rushing to get him in. If you didn't start with him, maybe you'd be looking at a lock on Croker to Watson trade, which is not going to cost you much. It's only going to be a 30k or so, so... But uh, the other thing is too, how are they going to, how are the Knights going to go now without Pierce? He was the uh, the linchpin in that organisation, that's for sure. So I know Watson's a super talent. The Trevor, uh, Cog, Trevor Cogger's young bloke, Cogger, is going to be going to halfback, but it remains to be seen how uh, how well that's going to go now. So definitely a watch list for me, Watson. Yeah. Unachievable order. Yeah, for people that are just fed up with Lachlan Croker and don't have any other pressing issues, he could be a decent trade-in. Yeah, well, I mean, his first two weeks at the Knights, he scored high 50s. He, he His average got dropped down because of his injury game, but he was basically around that sort of 57-point average before his third game. So he should be good. He does play round 13 as well. So a Croker to, to Watson trade isn't the worst thing. I'm probably not a big fan, to be honest, only because... It's all there that it could work out and it might be fine. But like you started to mention, I don't think the Knights are going to go very well at all. And I think that basically Pong is going to be the only guy that you'd want to own in that team for the next couple of months even. So I'm not keen on any of the Knights myself. Nah, no, neither am I. It's uh, just a quick one there too. Look, Fitzgibbon's been going pretty well this year, but it's um, off the back of Pierce as well, so... That's another one. It's a sneaky pod a few people have mentioned, but um, you'd be getting off him now, if anything, if you had him. Yeah, well, that Pierce injury basically just killed his value dead, didn't it? He's just, he's gone now without Pierce. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so, I mean, moving on from Watson, there is one other mid-range type of veteran guy that we can talk about um, who is a little bit more left field and hasn't been spoken about much at all. And when he is spoken about, he... uh, even just earlier tonight, there's um, certainly some divided opinion on him being an absolutely horrible choice to even talk about and other people on the opposite end seeing the value of him. Mitchell Orbison at the Roosters, he's never been a great super coach player. He's, you know, last few years before this one, he's averaged 47, 47, 48, which is, you know, solid enough but not particularly relevant, not even be able to get in the 50s. In 2018, he's only averaging, you know, 24 points. But one of the biggest things with mid-range cows or cheapies, it, it all just comes down to opportunity. It doesn't really matter how good anyone is. It's about the opportunity that they get. And Mitch Orbison's now recently gotten into the centres for the Roosters and playing 80 minutes as of last week. Uh, pulled out a 45-point game last week, playing 80 minutes in the centres. 36 of that was base. And he's a centre-wing, second-row jewel who also plays round 13 
where he's guaranteed to be playing as well with the Roosters having some outs. And pretty much it looks like he's locked in at 80 minutes playing in the centres for the Roosters up until Daniel Tupo comes back in the side, which is a, at least a couple of months away. So I, I see a lot of appeal here because he's only priced at 246000 And to me, he offers a lot more security than, say, a 192k guy that's coming in that's an unknown. You know Orbison in 80 minutes is going to punch out some decent numbers. He's probably, the last couple of years, looking at some stats and stuff, He um, playing in the centres across 10 games. He averages a shade over 40 points a game. But his current price is only at 28 points a game. So there's quite a bit of value in that one, Perso. If you're looking towards round 13, looking at some dual flexibility and also making some cash. Right, dirt cheap at the moment, dirt cheap. The only um, concern is whether he's going to keep that spot. It's always a problem with Orbo. When Orbo is playing 80 minutes on the edge in the forwards too, he was he sort of averaged over 60 for a long time in the games that he did. But the problem was he'd always get shuffled around, go somewhere else. Yep. If you need a hooker, go back to the bench and slot in the centre. But, I mean, at 246k, as you're saying, there's not a lot of good downgrade options at the moment, what we've been talking about all these. There's no mid-season cheapies, must-haves. Uh, if um, It's just whether you're, well, you're the Roosters, man. You're pretty confident he's going to hold that position until Tupo comes back. So, I mean, if he's going to get that sort of game time at centre and he'd be playing out every week, there's only a matter of time for he's going to get some attacking stats in that back line. So... He's um, definitely not the worst option, that's for sure. 2% ownership, but at 23, 246k. I mean, if you use a decent downgrade, that's for sure, worth a punt. Yeah, and like, like we've been saying, without those other options, you really have to, this year more than any other year, I think you really got to get down and dirty and look at things a bit differently and be a bit outside the box and look at some veteran guys that are maybe you know, dirt cheap that you wouldn't look at otherwise and try and shuffle them around and try and find one that might actually... Get you a sneaky hundred to one hundred and fifty grand that no one else is looking at. I'd um, put it this way: I'd rather Orbo than Sia, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, it's a it's a valid one because I mean, look, Sio is currently a hundred grand more than Orbo, so Sio is going to make more money than Orbison probably in the next couple of weeks for sure. But when you have to count that hundred k extra that you're investing, and the fact that with Orbo, you know, I can throw him in my centre wing right now. And then later on, I need to do some trades. I can move him into the second row to accommodate some of them, which at the moment, not many players can do. Yeah, I I think he's got some great value. Um, Just so you know as well, he did play one other 80-minute game this year and he busted out 50 points, and that was round one. So for his two 80-minute games this year, he's averaged 48 points. And I was saying to you before uh, we started recording the pod that um, the Roosters don't have much depth at all in in the back line. You know, in the last couple of years, they had... Joseph Manu coming through, um, even Roger Tuovaz, Sheck's brother, he moved on this year. Another good young winger who was basically the cover for the rest of the back line before they signed Reese Robinson, who did his ACL in the preseason. And Reese Robinson looks like he can't play at the NRL level, and that's not surprising for a 33-year-old journeyman that came over from Rugby Union for two years. So they just don't have anyone else. So I just don't see any way that Orbison doesn't have that spot locked up. Yeah, well, there you go. That's a pretty good point. Yeah, so, I mean, Orbison's one there that not many people are going to trade in, but let's move on and uh, do a little bit of a halfback battle per so. Mitchell Moses versus (laughs) Mr. Lino at the Warriors, who is, crazily enough, being traded in by about 3.5% of teams at the moment. Yeah, couldn't go near either of them. (laughs) Devil's advocate, though. If you had to pick a side... 
if if SJ was going for the season, you'd be all over Mason Lino like the bloody pimples on a fat bird's ass cheeks. But the fact is, SJ will probably be back next week. So I mean, that's Mason Lino is not even remotely close to an option. Moses will punch out 135 and he'll pull you six, and then he might go out and fill another hundred, and then he'll get you six weeks worth of scores under 50. And the Eels are travelling terribly. They only towed up Manly last week, who we were probably the only side going worse than the Eels. It's, um, I wouldn't be having even flirting with trading either of them. Almost the same. I, I'm actually I'm completely dumbfounded why anyone is looking at Mason Lino. I, I don't understand it at all. But he's got quite a few people <laughs> that traded him in. It's absolutely insane. Oh, I, I don't understand it whatsoever. I was hoping you could have shed some light on it, but <laughs> you're just as dumbfounded oh, as I am. Jim Hansen's left his legacy around, that's for sure. <laughs> well, what is it? 3.2%. So at the moment, there's 2,270 teams that have traded in Mason Liner already, and 2.3% for Mitchell Moses at 1,646. I mean, Moses, I th- you could probably understand because they're chasing last week's 134 points and all that, but uh, Mason Lino, that's, that's astounding. So for those that have brought in Mason Lino, he's got a minus 40 BE at the moment, but he's only played two games. He actually, he's, he's still got to play this, this third game to get a price rise for his first price rise. Sean Johnson's due back next week, it looks like. So unless well, the other the other the other factor is too that um, the two Anzac Day clashes have been given the um, discretion of the twenty one man sword. So uh, there's nothing saying that SJ won't even play this week. That's a really because good point. Short because of the short turnaround, there's every chance that SJ will come into the sword before this week. How are these two and a half thousand coaches going to feel when <laughs> Mason Lido drops out of the side an hour before he got? Look, if you if you don't get that feeling this week, you're going to get that feeling next week when you get that one price rise out of him and he makes you, you know, 35, 40 grand. And then you after getting towed up by the storm, even less maybe, and then he um, he gets dropped for the next two months and you just got him sitting there stinking up your halves, which is a very valuable position where you want to be using all of your halv options. I just I don't see it as a good trade at all. I don't know why anyone's doing it. But Mitchell Moses, though, I'll disagree with you slightly. Because I, I do see why people are looking at Moses, and I, I would look at him. I did look at him. Four hundred grand is too expensive for me. I think before he actually got this latest price rise, if he'd if he'd scored one week well and looked better, three hundred thirty k, it would have been fine to have a look at him. He's got a minus twenty be, and one of the arguments I was giving to the Mason Lono versus uh, Mitchell Moses people online because there was a couple of guys that were into me about it. At least Mitchell Moses has shown form before. At least he's gone on, you know, two-month runs where you know that he can throw out keeper scores for a period. If you can get lucky enough that this is it, then, you know, at least you've seen it before, I guess. Yeah, he's always so inconsistent, Moses. Uh, he gets his scores, he'll 100 and nothing, then 100 and nothing. So, I don't know. If you picked him up last week before he's 135, yeah, you're looking great. You don't have any confidence that the Eels are going to go on a bit more of a run now? Not at all. Yeah. The Eels have been atrocious all season, and they towed up Manly last week, who have been probably equally as atrocious. So I wouldn't read anything at all into their performance on the weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, I looking ahead, I guess I'd just be hoping that he can do sort of a 40 to 50 average for a few weeks and you could probably get your money out of it there. You're going to make about 100 to 120K if you can manage that. So either way, I, I'm not going to get uh, Moses in either and I think that probably there's enough better trades for people to make anyway. If you want cash, there's some better genuine cash grab options. If you want uh, points, there's some better genuine points options. So. Let's move on from that debate. We'll declare it a double knockout per se, like at the beginning of like at end of Rocky One. They just knock each other out and they're both they're both out for the count. So uh, let's go on to the cheapies now. There's a few cheapies around the traps that have been spoken about. The sharks probably have the the most good one. Yeah, the, yeah. There's not there's not enough good ones because they don't they don't really have any um, guys that are locked down positions, have they? There seems to be the cheapies. This midpoint of the season are like a, a lino that just come in and they're just a cameo sort of guy, isn't it? Yeah, or, or they're sort of bench forwards, which are just like hideous. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing doing with JBs. Doesn't matter how many jewels you've got, you can't. There's just nothing anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talking about. Let's talk about the sharks cheapies first. I've seen a lot of people talking about Dylan, which yeah. kind of surprised me horrible. because I didn't really understand why. He's absolutely horrible. Yeah, he's coming off the bench. I mean, I wouldn't be going near him. Paseca is is the other guy at Manly. That's yeah, another bench forward. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of good coaches that are actually um, are talking about him. I mean, even Catfish has brought well, I him think up. It's desperation more than anything, Barty. Because yep. there's nothing out there. <laughs> you look at Dylan, for example, 164k, but yeah, minus two this week. Scored 30 and 26. How much longer is Gallon out for? Since Gallon's back, he's gone from the team altogether. Um, Paseca. Same boat, 164k, BA50, uh, BA5, scored 18 and 31. I mean, it's just, we're going back to this just extremely slow grazing cow type scenario. But as I said at the point before, there's nothing out there. No one, like everyone's got Lodge and Rocco and all these guys to get rid of. So that's why all these coaches are going, well, we've got no choice. We're going to have to pick up one of these bums. Yeah, well, at the moment, you know, you might get lucky and Paseca and, uh, and Dylan might. Might mature by about round twenty three or twenty four, and you can exactly. trade about for the run. Day by then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That's exactly the point I was making before. This year is so hard because there's no genuine mid season cows that you can bring in. So everyone's looking at these sort of bums you wouldn't go near. Yeah, well, it's made it interesting. Um, a lot of people are going near him, and I agree. There's probably out of desperation. There is one guy that stands out a little bit though. Aside from Dylan in the Sharks team. There is Sorensen who scored a, a ripping try on the weekend. I know you didn't see the game, but he scored an old school running back rowers try where he, you know, he went through a gap, busted a couple of tackles, did some sidesteps, sidestepped the fullback, outpaced a few guys, and went in under the sticks on a like fifty meter run. It reminded me of the Steve Menzies, uh, Daniel Gartner days from the the Manly Seagulls back row, the you know the running the running back rowers. It was really good, and he um, has only played the one game. But he managed to score 80 points. He's got to obviously play another couple of games before he's going to get a price rise. I think that Wade Graham's touch and go on coming back, but Luke Lewis might be a month off still. So you could potentially yeah. get two rises, maybe? Yeah, extremely wary. There's no way he'd be jumping, jumping the gun before his third game. Wade Graham's back this week. Luke Lewis has gone for the next two or three weeks with a calf injury, with Peculiar's back this week as well. 
I think the thing with Sorensen too is he does play round thirteen where he should get some run at least. So if he's if he's only yeah, going to get one he round, plays round thirteen. There's not many Sharks players going to be playing Origin, so Sorensen could disappear for the next second twelve weeks. That's the problem with him. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be going anywhere near him yet. There's absolutely no way I'd jump on him early. His job security is just about as yeah, it's non-existent. I guess the um, other thing that I was surprised about. I've been a big uh, Luke Capewell fan for a long time, and he's not even in the 17 this week. And like they've been, no, he got punted this week, which is probably a bonus for Sorensen. That was surprising, actually. Yeah, I, I thought Capewell would have been well ahead of Sorensen. I mean, they've been promising that kid some time for two or three years. Flano's been stringing him along, and this year he can finally have some back row minutes and start there for a number of games. And then he just gets one or two games here and there, and gets put on the bench for other ones, and then gets punted for this one. And Sorensen starts ahead of him. That's that's the other big. Um, Flag for me. Capewell could be back there next week, and then even if Sorensen retains a spot, he um, yeah could be seventeenth man on the bench as a back row as a substitute for 15, 20 minutes in a game. Not very appealing, but he might be better than the other two. Yeah, it's a big unknown at this point. Uh, definitely a watch this week. Yeah, so I think with all these cheapies. I'd be avoiding them for the time being and trying to find yourself trades that make sense for a guy like an Orbison. The Orbos and the Reigns and those guys, something that's actually going to make some money with a bit of job security, a bit of a dirty option, a bit of an old dirty Paul Brown option. Yeah, too bad Brownie's not playing Supercoach this year. He would he would be relishing this moment. Oh, he'd be loving it. <laughs> I reckon he'd shoot up all the way from about 75,000 up to the top five in about three weeks. He'd have all the moves in his back pocket already. But uh, On that note, Lewis Brown's been named in the side this, <laughs> this weekend. Oh, I know. We've, we've already talked about useless cheapies. We're not going to talk about any more useless cheapies. <laughs> Let's move on from the buys and talk about some of the outs for this week and the big sell targets. There's a couple of guys that we've spoken about for a couple of weeks in uh, Robbie Rocco and, and Lodge. I'm going to lump those those guys together. I'm really, really happy that, you know, the week before last I sold Lodge and last week I sold Rocco and I couldn't believe the amount of people screaming at me saying that um, Rocco should be a hold for round 13 and, no, that he, was a, and he wasn't going to drop that cash. That was some of the most stupid. I, I couldn't understand that mentality. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pissed off I held Lodge for as long in hindsight, Lodge, you selling Lodge two weeks ago and Rocco last week was spot on. I sold Rocco last week as well. It's on the same boat as you. The amount of people saying, oh, you're going to hold him for round 13, so he drops like three quarters of his coin and punches it at 30 in round 13. Like, come on. He was a cow. That's all he ever was. He made some coin. He got a lucky try and got some attacking stats, and that was it. He's a massive seller. If you haven't already sold him, get rid of him this week. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, I'd, you'd be feeling pretty bad that you had to lose some money first before you realised that you need to get rid of him as well. He's got a BE of 73, he's 72. Still, yeah, he's still 411K. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Yeah, got to go out this week. There's no point in holding him. And he, the best thing is that one of the guys that was ripping into me online about you know why he's a definite hold and stuff, saying that he's not even going to lose much money. Was uh, saying that he's a, he, he'd be going poorly if he only averaged fifty points a game over the next six weeks up until the buy, and I, I actually said to him, "Mate, he's a very good chance of busting out thirty points." He did it the week before at thirty points, and he came out and scored 33, 29 points in base. So well, no chance he's averaging fifty. No, yeah. So <laughs> if you got Lodge or Rocco, you got to just cut cut ties with both of those guys now, and that's. 
basically you trace a sided purse. So if you've got Lodge and Rocco in your team, those should be the two guys out to whoever you can find, pretty much. Well, yeah, exactly. Unless you've got a, a plethora of guns in your back row that can't play this week as well, which poses another problem. But yeah, it's all side dependent. But yeah, definitely, um, Lodge is definitely a sell. He's just about peak now. Rocco is 100% a sell. I guess it's all the problem you- is. What do you do? The, the the downgrade options aren't much, so it depends on the coin you've got in the bank and all that sort of stuff to where you go. There's not like there's no other sort of mid ranges that are gonna make money in that sort of area. Maybe if you didn't for some reason, if you didn't own a TPJ or something, you maybe you might be able to shuffle over there because you're probably gonna make a bit of coin, but it's really hard to to know what to do with it, of course. That's the problem. Yeah, I think that um the Robbie Rocco Lodge double trade this week, if you're doing it, you really have to look at well, yes. you're going to have to take one of the bums in Dylan or Pasaka, aren't you? And then use the other money to, to go to uh, a Fafuta or a Tomalalo or something. I was going to go the other way. I was actually going to say, I think you need to swallow your pride and just say, you know, I stuffed this up in my timing. I'm not going to be able to get a gun in this week. And I'm just going to get two mid-range filthy options in like a, a Mitch Orbison and a, a Mitch Rain. If you've got a Slade Griffin in your second row and you can sell Havili, move Slade Griffin in a hooker and get in an Orbo Rain combo... For a you know a lodge and Rocco combo, you're going to make a heap of cash out of that, and you're sort of going to steady the ship a little bit. Yeah, that's not about you six hundred k depends on someone next week. Yeah, because like you said, it's just so hard on on how you're going to get rid of these guys. But um, the problem is everyone's got to think about how much they're going to lose going forward. And if if Robbie Rocco throws out another thirty points, I mean, instead of selling him, you know, the week before last, you've You've lost another 50k just holding him, plus the money you would have earned in the guy that you could have brought in as well. So, the one bit of advice I can give to anyone is do not hold Robbie Rocco for round 13 coverage. Like, seriously, it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I wasn't crazy giving out that <laughs> advice when people were asking me about it, but um, yeah, it's. Those guys have got to go, and it might mean that you're going to have to miss out on a Fafita this week. But you know what? He's got a 7 EBE. You can just go straight to him really easy with some good bank next week and right the ship of your side, and that's what I would be doing. The next guy that I'm going to talk about is another similar guy to Rocco and Lodge, who um, a lot of people started with round one per so, and he rewarded everyone by making a lot of money. That's Peter Hiku. But this guy's a little bit different to Rocco and Lodge in that Peter Hickey's actually surprisingly come out and been one of the more stable centre wing options that you can have because um, he's averaging just a shade under 55 points a game and he's done that playing some pretty good football for the Warriors with some good base stats and some offloading. He's you know just around that 450k mark at the moment. He's got a uh, mid-70s BE. He... Um, for me, I'm actually going to sell him, but I know it's a contentious call and I've had a few people say to me, don't sell him, don't sell him. But to me, I'm going to give you why I'm going to sell him. And I know that you think he's probably a hold, so you could try and sell me on why I should hold him. I'm selling him. Uh, it's all team specific, Barnsley, but um, yeah, I think he's a hold. Well, I mean, for me, for my team um, and sort of how I viewed him, I've and I brought this up with a couple of people I've chatted with as well, my centre wing's actually pretty strong. Um, I've got uh, Rapana in there. I've got Fergo in there. I've got BJ in there. And not that any of those guys have been performing hugely better than Peter Hiku, but I'm much more confident keeping them than I am Peter Hiku, and I think that they've got a better ceiling. 
So for me, Peter Hiku was just to make money. He's peaked, he's made his money, and I just feel like going from a, a Peter Hiku to an Andrew Fafita via Jules or a Peter Hiku to a, a Madison is going to be an upgrade of Peter Hiku. So why am I going to hold him for when I'm upgrading him and he doesn't play round 13? And they're playing the three best defensive teams in the competition the next three weeks. The Melbourne Storm, the West Tigers, and the Sydney Roosters are the next three games for the Warriors where they could really struggle to score points. So he's probably not going to get a lot of attacking stats either. So that was kind of where I was coming from on on the selling him. Tell me why you're holding him. Holding, well, because I don't need to sell him. My centre wing's pretty strong as well. But if that's purely, yeah, he's made as much corn as he's going to make, that's for sure. So, I mean, if, if that's where you're looking at, you know, the strength in your side and other spots, that's where you go for. But I mean, he's one of the better base centres in the comp. I think he's probably going to be a top five centre wing this season at the end of the year. So I'm quite happy to hold and drop a bit of coin next few weeks because his scores have been pretty good. I mean, he scores without any attacking stats. He's still hitting 40 every week. So, I mean, it's, I'm loath to trade out a, a player that's got that sort of base at centre wing, especially when I don't need to necessarily get rid of him. But uh, as I said, it's all team specific. Uh, if you've just brought him in purely as a, a, a cheapie that everyone did at the start of the year, he's definitely made his coin. So I can't begrudge anyone trading him out to strengthen their side elsewhere, but I'm just going to hold him and uh, ride out. Well, his low scores are still 40s and 50s, so I, I, I can't get <laughs> very low to get rid of centre wings who have got low scores in the 40s. Yeah, he's got a base of around average 33, 34 a game this year, so he does have some pretty good base for an outside back. Yeah, I mean, it's outstanding, so he's the least of my problems on my yeah. side, but like we keep saying, it's side-specific. Yeah, I mean, I would be I would be feeling a bit different about him and I'd be holding him if my centre wing was, you know, Rapana and a bunch of terrible wingers and uh, centres. Like I've got, got Masters, Madison, Thompson, Hiku, so I'm pretty happy with my centre wing. Yeah, so yours is great. There's some centre wings that are rolling around where people look on the cheap options and they've got, you know... Even Jennings, uh, Kenars and your Sarkas as well. I, mean, I wouldn't be getting rid of Kenar either. His base is very similar to Hiku. So, I mean, he's, he's pushing up 40s and doing nothing. And Sarko as well, you're not going to get rid of. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with my side as well. Aside from the, the, the good players that I named, I've also got Asako, Kenar and Jennings that all have around even or negative BEs and are going to make a lot more money that I just can't trade right now. So if you have to get a centre wing in, like if I have to get Madison in, he gives the only way to a Madison, then, then I think for that type of team build you have to do it because it's definitely going to be an upgrade getting Madison in for, for a Hiku. So, yeah, very team-specific, but I don't see either one of them wrong. They're probably the only advice I'd throw out there per se for those that are holding him. If you are going to hold him, then you, you're going to be, have to be committed to be holding him for the next couple of months through that because... He's going to drop a bit of coin in the next few weeks. He's probably going to have some bad scores the next few weeks. And he's going to be on the buy around 13. So if you're going to sell him in three or four weeks when you get towards that buy, then you may as well be selling him now, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Especially with SJ, you're holding on trust, but um, I'm just late to, to sell centre wings with good base. In a side that's uh, leading the comp. So let's uh, keep, keep on the Warriors theme, mate. Let's um, talk about Sean Johnson. So... SJ has got his groin issue, and I've seen a few people sort of race trading him, which I can sort of sort of understand a little bit, but um, I think it's more frustration than anything. They do have a tough draw coming up, so I mean, where I can see it kind of making sense is if you were never going to hold him 
through that buy period and you're always going to upgrade into a buy option, whether that be, uh, you know, like a DCE and you're going to keep a DCE for the whole year over for the second half run or somebody better than that that I can't think of, then I can understand it because round 13 is coming up. He's got a groin issue. He's out this week. He's got a really bad three-week run at the moment of games against defensive teams. You know, I, I can understand. But if you're planning on having him in your end team, there's no way you should be looking at selling him at the moment. You just have to hold him. The draws are completely irrelevant, I think, to, to SJ's performance at the best of times. But um, the draw's been turned on its head this season. Yeah, it has. Uh, SJ's outstanding. If you had him in your side, there's no way I'd be getting rid of him. Well, it's a pain in the ass. He's missed this week, and a couple of weeks he missed another week. But um, you're definitely waiting for the development because he's far and away the best performing half in Supercoach, and the Warriors are leading the comp. <laughs> There's no way I'd be um, rage trading him out of side. That's for sure. For everyone that's looking at trading Sean Johnson, you need to look at his stats across the five games he's played. He's he's not he's scored below 74 once out of five games. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's, it's outstanding. There's absolutely no way I'd be going anywhere near getting rid of him. Yeah. I can understand some of the thinking, but I just think that you're probably looking at it a bit too hard and you probably want to just hold him. That's the same with this next guy that we're going to talk about, Sam Burgess. And I know you've got a bit of a different view to me because of necessity, but um, I'm, I'm holding Sam Burgess and I've seen a few people trade him and they're purely just trading him because, oh, look, he's only, you know, he's he got suspended for three weeks and I only got one game out of him and I've got to wait another two weeks. That's, that's five games I'm going to miss, you know, just be done with him. But, you know, the counter to that is in two weeks' time, you're going to really miss him being in your front row. There's not very many good front rowers around like we spoke about with Fafita. So his value is probably higher than any other position because he is so good. And the difference between a him or a feeder to you know someone else might be 10, 15 point average at least. And then when you hit round 13, you're probably going to trade him in again and burn a trade. So I, don't know, I, I just feel like for a lot of teams, not every team, but for a lot of teams, it's just a frustration trade that you shouldn't be doing. Well, Burgess is 100% a hold, 100% a hold, unless you've got like 14 players in the back row that you can't play this week, someone's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, aside from that, Burgess 100% a hold. He's absolutely hold him. He, he just came back and um, his form was in the middle forward stuff with all the penalties. has settled down now and completely sets of going. He was a boost mode on the weekend, so you definitely hold. Frustrating, he's gone for two weeks, but it just depends how many other guys you're still trying to hold. But someone's got to make way. So, um, but he's definitely a hold. I wouldn't be telling anyone to sell Burgess. If you can hold him for two more weeks and save you, but I mean, that means you would have held him for five weeks and he's played one. But the chances of him getting suspended again when he comes back, surely not. <laughs> surely not. <laughs> surely not. Well, I, I always think with these type of things, you've got to look at it one thing at a time. It's no good going back and saying, oh, yeah, but he was hurt two weeks ago, or oh, but he missed time here and there. Look, just look at it on face value now. The guy was healthy last week, he played a really good game of football. Scored eighty odd points, played good minutes, and he's he's out for two games. You just got to deal with it for two games. Like you said, the only the only time that I think that you'd look at maybe trading him would be if you had maybe you've got Nathan Brown, Tohu Harris, and, and Sam Burgess, and Cam Murray all in your yeah. back row. But if that's yeah, which is my sort, yeah. Well, look, <laughs> someone someone's got to go. 
it's a good one to talk about if it's your side, mate, because, you know, if someone asked me about that, my advice to them would be sell Tohu Harris now. Keep Sam Burgess and sell Tohu Harris. So why don't we talk about Tohu for a little bit? Uh, Brown, I'm holding still. Like Burgess is so... I brought in Tohu last week, finally, and he, I killed him. Absolutely killed him. He's gone. He didn't even play again this week. And then Burgess is gone. And my side's struggling. I can't. So I've gone uh, Tohu and Burgess out for Fafuta and Tomalolo in because I just need the points and I need something. So that, that's just my side. But um, anyone that's not struggling that bad, you'd definitely be holding, probably hold Tohu, actually, because he's, been phenomenal all season and he's only had one that week and he'll be back next week but I just couldn't do it so I'm on the opposite view I reckon it's I reckon it's best to sell Tohu over Sergis only because you can move I'd sell Tohu first before Sergis but I sold both well you sold them both so (laughs) it's a viewpoint for you I'm actually I don't hold I don't hold Tohu in my side. He has gone really well and I've been watching him do really well and, and thinking geez it would have been nice to start with him but I think if I owned him, I would have been looking at selling him for sure. He would be definite sell for me to a Fafita or a Tomalolo because he's got that 14 points now that's going to be in his rolling average. He's coming into a heap of tough games. He's not playing this week. He doesn't play round 13. I don't think he's going to play any better than what he did for that you know first six weeks. So he's busting out really big scores. So I sort of see him as an opportune sell where you can get a Tomalolo in, like you said, and um, avoid having a weakened side this week. And realistically, the, the buy's not too far away and he's not playing that one either. So oh, I think Tohu is a pretty good sell, to be honest. Yeah, that was the other factor. Um, Tomalolo and Fafuta both play further in. So. Yeah. Let's um, move on from all the Warriors talk because there's been quite a bit of it. We mentioned uh, Havili a little bit earlier in the pod and we'll finish up on him as a sell before we look at our underground pot of the week, we'll call it, um, and then we'll move on to TLT. So Havili, I, I own Havili, and he's about 355k at the moment, got a mid-30s BE, and he's probably peaked for the time being. Um, Perso, I was saying to you, I need some advice myself on what to do with him because um, I'm not too sure because there's not really a clear-cut option if you own Cook and Havili on where you're going to throw Havili to. You know, unless you're going to downgrade him to a Mitch Rain, you're only going to net 50k out of that trade at the moment, and then obviously the future money. Would you just hold Havili through and just hope that he kind of remains a bit steady until after round 13 and then try? Yeah, pretty much. That's the option. Havili to Rain this week's a pretty good trade, but uh, I've had other pressing issues, so I can't do it, which means I'm probably going to miss the Rain boat. So probably just hold Havili and hope that he can jag some attacking stats or something. He's not going to lose money this week. He's not going to gain money. He's just going to sort of hover. It's just a repeat of last year with Braley and Pritchard. So stuck with his mid-range hooker with no one to downgrade to. Yeah, I mean, even the upgrade options. I mean, would you would you jump on a say a Cameron Smith trade at the moment to go from Havili to Smith? No, nah, probably not. I wouldn't go near Cameron Smith at the moment. Probably till after Origin. It's, yeah, it's funny, but yeah, Cameron Smith's not scoring that well to be honest. So then uh, Cook, obviously, is the best hooker in the comp. You started with a couple of other guys, you'd be doing the right too, put your Torres out and that, but no rush to get Smith in at this stage with Origin coming up. You, if you don't have Smith already, you'd be probably waiting until after Origin. Let's uh, get a bit crazy here and think outside the box, per So if you only want to run with one hooker, 
who would you be running with for this year? Because I think I'd run with Cook for the rest of the year instead of Cameron Cook, Smith. 100%. Yeah. Cook's the best hooker in the comp. He'll be the best hooker in the comp by the end of the season, barring injury. So one of the things that's run through my head as well, you know, I don't want to have to try and tear my team apart to get Cameron Smith in if he's 600 grand. Um, and if I've got Cook and I'm not going to use two hookers, then, you know, what am I doing? Trying to, you know, upgrade to Cameron Smith. So I might actually end up holding Avili, um and you know, sort of in two months' time when we're looking at nuffs and stuff, I might just nuff Havili out and just run with Cook. That's a fair option, run with Cook. If Cook gets into you, can just swap straight to Smith because Cook's price is not going down. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's the thing, right? Cook Cook is a swap to any other hooker if he gets hurt long term. So Exactly. Yeah, a few interesting options at hooker this year. It's a bit of a crazy position. But let's finish up on Market Watch. Um, we're going to talk about a bit of an underground pod that nobody's talking about and next to nobody owns at all. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about them in the debate. So this week, I've actually plucked out of obscurity Josh Dugan. And before everybody says, Barnsley, you're crazy, hear me out. With all these sort of pods. <laughs> the original bandage bear. Oh, it's. Um, I understand people laughing, and you can you can all laugh about Josh Dugan. That's fine, but in Supercoach, doesn't matter how much you hate a player or how crap they are, if they're you know going to come up to a golden run, and nobody's going to have them, then um, they they've got to be someone that you're looking at. Josh Dugan. I'll throw down some quick stats and some reasons why he might be an interesting pod for the next sort of five six weeks. First of all, he's under three percent ownership. I actually thought he would be less than that, but still, you're only looking at about 3,500 teams that own him, so he's 100% a pod. He is very cheap for what he is. Um, he's about 490k, and he's a dual fullback centre wing to give you a bit of flexibility as well. He's apparently got that fullback spot locked up from what Flano has said now, and in his two games back from injury, he's scored pretty decent as well. So he's looked pretty good. But more importantly, his draw for the next five weeks, per so we were talking about this, is the next five weeks his draw basically could not be any better. So the Sharks... Well, he plays, plays the bottom four the next four weeks. Yeah, which you know a lot of people haven't really thought about. But you know Josh Dugan comes up against the Gold Coast Titans, Parramatta Eels, Canberra Raiders, and then the Canterbury Bulldogs. I actually think that the Newcastle Knights after that aren't going to be much chop either. And then uh, South's in round 13 to give you some buy cover because I doubt he's going to make the Origin team at this point. So, I mean, for that sort of six-week run where he's going to cover the buy for you and he's come back and managed 62 and 64 points the last two weeks without scoring a try, you know, he's a very sneaky option that could... Oh, he's, always, he's always one of the best base backs in the competition. Always, like, right up there. So. Yep. Three-round average of 57.7, five-round average of 50.6. No, that's to be snoozed at. And then uh, with that draw, plenty of opportunity for a bit of attacking stats. He's a smoking option, I reckon. Yeah, I think he's a big smoky. I think that he could come through really well. I wouldn't be surprised this next, um, definitely this next month of that Titans, Eels, Raiders and Dogs. I wouldn't be surprised if he averages 70 points. I know that's a big call, but like you said, with his base and his base attack that he's got, He's only got to score one try in those four games to get another, you know, TS and a line break assist or something, and he's going to be there. No, definitely. Problem is, he doesn't get much attacking stats from fullback. If he's playing centre, he gets more attacking stats at centre. But... Yep. So you concur? You think that he's a decent uh, 
pod smoky trade. Oh, smoky pod for sure, definitely. All right, well, I, with that draw, one hundred percent. I need a third trade. I think I'd love to bring in Josh Dugan this week, but um, unfortunately, more pressing issues like your team as well. Just can't afford the no, luxury. Yeah, can't get so he's a little interesting one that nobody ever talks about, so we'll throw him in there for everyone's amusement. But let's move on to um, the TLT review quickly. So the first uh, first game for TLT is going to be the Roosters versus Dragons, the Anzac Day Clash. Always a good clash, person. I always enjoy my uh, Roosters, Dragons, Anzac Day Clash after doing some two-up and drinking some beers in the morning and the afternoon and then watching the game. The Dragons weren't uh, too impressive last week against the Warriors, and the Roosters defensively were, but their attack was pretty off. Roosters have got an unchanged team for this week with the changes that they made last week uh, remaining. Not really too much super coach relevant changes or any watches really in the um, Roosters side, aside from Madison, who's being heavily traded in, I guess, and Takiaho is back on the bench, actually. That is one the one change that they have made. They've got Takiaho yeah, back. Yeah, there's just two back on the bench, but that's not really relevant. Supercoach and some nerds, you've got nothing doing there. Or they're hosting for Sally, but it's always one of the better clashes for the season. Just going. Everyone looks forward to it. Yeah, what do you reckon, though? I'm not sure if I'd really want too many teams, uh, too many players in in this particular clash. It could be a bit of a Dow one. Oh, I don't think it would be Supercoach relevant at all. It will be a Dower clash, I reckon. It'll be an old school battle. Bit of rain around too, apparently. So yeah, so I um I think that um it's not going to be a great one for super coaches, but a good one for the fans in real life. So we'll um we'll move on to the Storm versus Warriors because there's a lot more juicy news on this one. So this one will happen at 7 p.m. after the Roosters clash, and the Storm have got on a really good run last week with that attack that they showed against the Broncos. So I'm thinking myself that uh, even though the Warriors did well to beat the Dragons, they could put a bit of a score up in this one. Their um, their side is uh, the same, I believe, whereas the Warriors have got quite a few changes. So they obviously lose, lose Tohu Harris, like we said, and they've also got Mason Lino, who's starting for SJ, who's a big loss as well. Yeah, yeah. A couple of um, Jay Brom's out with his knee injury. Glasby's going to prop. Uh, K Brom at lock. Stimson on the bench. Taylor Harris failed the concussion test. So he's Gonski. Papa Lee goes to the right edge for Harris. And yeah, SJ's groin no good apparently. But it won't surprise me if he's uh, a late inclusion. Mosa Luno starting and uh, Nigel Clockstad on the bench. But remains to be seen with these two Anzac days. They've been. Um, Exempt from the the normal the normal twenty one nineteen man squad covering because of the short turnaround, so anything's possible really. How do you see this one going for super coaches? Storm versus Warriors. Uh, so I, Storm probably might get up. I don't know. Okay, the, the Warriors are not for the wooden spoon at the start of the year, so I've got no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> They've been killing it. Uh, I've loved the look of the top four so far this season, but. Um, the storm is starting to warm into it. So I think they're starting, starting to show their class. So um, I think the storm, my tips for this Anzac Day are, are probably the Roosters and the storm, to be honest. I think uh, that's the way I'm going. Yeah, I'm the same. I actually think that even though Bromwich is out, Glasby at lock and, and Kenny Bromwich in the number 13 and Stimson on the bench, those three guys 
really, Bro- Jesse Bromwich hasn't played that well this year. So those three guys, I don't think they're losing anything by having them in that side. And yeah, I think the Storm might do a bit of a number on the Warriors. I really do. So if I had any Warriors, uh, sorry, any um, Storm players like Vinavalu or Adokar especially, you know, I reckon I'd be in for a pretty good week for Supercoach. But SJ should probably be back next week. So let's move on, per say, to the Rabbitohs versus Broncos. This one, the big news for the Rabbits is Cam Murray's returning at lock in place of Sam Burgess, who's suspended. So Cam Murray owners will be really, really happy. Adam Dewey is back on the bench in place of Heimel Hunt. And they're the only two changes for the Rabbits. The Broncos team, they've got Josh Maguire named at um, hooker, which is kind of surprising to me. Sam Thide is a prop. And Jaden Sewer is actually starting at 12 and Tavita Pengai Jr. is starting at 13. As a Pengai Jr. owner, I'm really, really happy. I don't understand, though, why uh, Maguire is a hooker. Can you explain that one to me? Yeah, they got no other options, I think. Um, uh, that and the fact that uh, Bennett's lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, he took Tato at that point last year. Same deal. Surely Nick Aroma would be a better option than playing hooker and leave Maguire where he is, but who knows. Cam Murray's named, despite his hammy issues, he's no guarantee to play this week's order, but Tom Burgess is in a slight bit of doubt as well, but should play his hundredth game. Yeah, McGuire to rate, um, yeah, that's hideous for anyone that owns him. Super catch wise. Super J to lock won't make much difference, I don't think. He'll play similar minutes. He did starting a prop last week. Jaden Silver starting on the edge this week and Sims back to the bench, which is interesting because I thought Jaden Sewell might have been a pick-up last week after um, Gillette was out, but um, then he was known on the bench and Sims was on the edge. So they swapped around this week, so there's a bit of a watch there for me. Yeah, Sewell was really interesting to me two weeks ago. And then, like you said, he didn't get that starting spot, which was really disappointing. I was hoping he was going to get like 60 minutes at a minimum and be starting. He's... Maybe a guy that you're still going to watch, Perso. I mean, would you consider looking at him once he's you know, 25 or whatever it was from last week, drops out and he gets a little bit cheaper? Yeah, yeah definitely looking at him. I mean, if he's going to play on that edge, then he's going to start on that edge. And um, especially with um, McCullough's injury, so there's more middle minutes opened up with McGuire and Hooker, so Sims is going to stay middle. Definitely a big watch on Sewer's minutes this week. That's the key. What's your tip for the game? Who's winning this one? Uh, Barney's, I reckon. Bunnies? Any big super coach yeah. calls? Nah, not really. This is <laughs> super coach probably relevant going. As most super, most games this year, super coach are relevant. I'm going to go. Nucky comes in and punches out hundred, and there it is. Ari and Anthony Milford's going to um, bust out his Suncorp form away from Suncorp, and I think Anthony Milford's going to go well this week. Seventy-five plus, I reckon, for Milford. Payne Huss is uh, being rumoured to. Maybe coming into the side as well. I mean, he's he's named in Jersey Twenty One for the Broncos. Yeah, Broncos. Uh, that'll be another Pasaka Dylan type waste of time. Care? Yeah, for sure. But it's interesting as to who he's coming in for. I'm going to guess it might be for Tagatizi. It shouldn't affect anything super coach wise. Um, I'm looking forward to TPJ playing at lock actually this week as well. It looks like he's got to be more of a consistent role again after his initial um, injury worries and stuff at the start of the year at least. So. That could be good for his owners. The next one, though, is at your neck of the woods. Oh, sorry, against the Knights, but it's playing a lot of lands, so not really your neck of the woods. Knights versus the Sea Eagles. And the Sea Eagles have absolutely been smashed in the media every which way. 
So you'd expect him to come out pretty fired up. The big changes are Harker did his knee getting up to play the ball on the weekend, which basically summed up the afternoon for the Seagulls. And uh, Matthew Wright's come in to replace him on the wing. Uh, 177 grand, but largely irrelevant. And other than that, they've actually stuck with pretty much the same side, aside from Lewis Brown coming in on the bench. The Knights, on the other hand, obviously have Connor Watson coming in for Mitchell Pearce, which is a big blow. I don't know. They mainly potentially could bounce back this way. They can't get any worse, but I really don't rate the Eagles. The Knights have been pretty solid, but Mitchell Pearce is a massive, massive loss for them. It's going to be a moment to see how they cope with it. Connor Watson coming back off a layoff in the halves. Cogger never played together. If ever Manly's going to win a game, it'll be this week. If they don't win this week, then it's going to be a very, very long season for them. Uh, I'll go as far as to say that they won't leave Lotto Land alive. Like, the fans have booed them last home game and how bad they were. This one, if they if they put up that sort of stuff against the Knights at Lotto Land, they're going to get killed by the crowd. I reckon they're going to come Fair out and fight up. Fair it should be enough to get over a Mitchell Pierceless Knights, surely. Yeah, a lot of people captain Turbo um, last week and were disappointed. You reckon he's a genuine captain option again this week? Probably more so this week than last week. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually eyeing off um, DCE as a, a potential VC as well. I think he'll surely have to come out fired up. But I'm also in the same game because I reckon this is maybe a, a pretty good super coach game myself. Kalen Ponga, potential VC as well. Oh, he's almost an automatic captain, Austin Ponga. He's been going well. Um, do you reckon he's going to get more ball now that Pierce isn't there and kind of control the team a little bit more? Or do you think that he's the opposite, that he's going to be hurt because Pierce has been giving him really good service and good spots? He probably will get more ball. Uh, whether it has a positive or negative effect will depend on how well he's developed, I suppose. But, uh, it's definitely going to be relying on him a hell of a lot more. So that'll be a challenge for him. See how he goes. But he seems to be meeting every challenge so far. But um, yeah, hundred percent. He'll be he'll he'll be the main go-to player now. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested in watching. I'm, I may very well VC him still, but yeah, this is going to be a good one for Supercoach. I think this next one, I'm not sure, will be that good for Supercoach. Judging on last week, the Penrith Panthers vs Canterbury Bulldogs. This one's at Panthers Stadium. Panthers lost a bad one to the Sharks last week. Bulldogs got held to zero points, and their attack looked extremely poor. Realistically. You'd expect the Penrith Panthers to step up this week and get the win. The side, they've still got young Hetherington on the bench there, all unchanged. Bulldogs as well are looking pretty much like the same side that they were last week, but they'll probably be more motivated to maybe attack a little bit more. You would hope so anyway. I don't really like the look of the Bulldogs side though, per se, and I think that the Panthers might actually do a bit of a number on them this week at Pepper Stadium. Yeah, I think the Panthers will flog them. Uh, they've been travelling pretty well. I think they'll have probably 20 points too many in them. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, the super coach relevant guys, James Maloney, I've got my eye on for this one. He's been travelling along really nicely. He had such a he upgraded from 35 to 61 on that final update on Monday. Yeah, and the only other, other thing to watch in this game is if uh, the penalty count starts away going down in recent trends in the last couple of weeks. Middle forwards are starting to come relevant. So be a watch on Merrin and Glamour and Woods. They all sort of produced pretty decent numbers the last week or two, so it'll be interesting to see if that keeps going. Yeah, they were really good. You're right, they, they scored really well. But Tyler Marin has been scoring well too, and the Panthers' edge defence can be quite poor at times as well. So um, 
he might end up getting another try, potentially, how he's running at the line and on those angles. So, yeah, it's just, you know, from Fataro Mauro, looks like a keeper at the moment, the way he's going. Yeah, I don't think I could sell him. Are you Are you going to hold on to him? Yeah, no point selling him at the moment. He's 100% hold. I'll start him every week without hesitation. Yep. And Kikau went really well last week against the Sharks and um, will probably step up. They'll probably need his size to play some good minutes against the Dogs pack as well. So probably some pretty good ones for the um, the Panthers um, in this one. I've got James Fisher-Harris at the moment. who's starting at lock again, but I'm probably going to need to sell. But other than that, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Panthers will probably do, do the Dogs by 20 points this week too. Let's move on to the Titans versus Sharks. This one's at Seabus Super Stadium on uh, Saturday. And... The Titans got towed up pretty good in the second half against the Cowboys. The Sharks played pretty well, I thought, um, to beat the Penrith Panthers. I kind of see the Sharks tailing up the Titans this week and them getting flogged a little bit two weeks in a row. Yeah, it doesn't surprise at all. Big change for the Titans, per so is Cardi's at number six and um, Kane Elgie's been dropped. Uh, Will Matthews starting in number 12. I had my eye on a little bit as well. Other than that, do you think that the Cardi owners should be rejoicing or do you think it might be a little bit early to be um, thinking Cardi might go for a bit of a run? Uh, he won't be rejoicing, but at least it'll be sort of justifying why he will because he hasn't earned enough coin to bother being worth a trade, so he's just been a pest. It's something that comes in handy to swap between trades, between jewels, but yeah, being named this week, definitely you're going to hope he's going to jack some attacking stats. Yeah, well, Scotty Sorensen's um, for the Sharks. Scotty Sorensen starting in the number eleven jersey again for his second game. Wade Graham's back and takes the captaincy back off of feeder. Um, James Jason Bakuy is back, like you mentioned, but he's coming in off the bench. And other than that, the rest of the side's unchanged. So, yeah, we've already spoken about Sorensen and Graham's coming back, but he's largely irrelevant at the moment. For feeder, looks a genuine captaincy option as well this week for me. I know a couple of people have put the big C on him. Are you considering him? Oh, he's 100%. A, a very good captain option. They had um, Tom Malolo go up the middle of the Titans pretty well last week, and that's how he scored that try. Fafita might end up finding some inroads as well, I think. Probably uh, four or five offloads for Fafita this week against the Titans, I reckon. Yeah, fair chance. He's a, he's a fantastic captain option for Fafita. Yep. So let's go on to um, the second last game of the round, the Cowboys versus the Raiders. This one's up at 1300 Smile Stadium again because the Cowboys have that fantastic home draw now. JT looked great last week. Um, I'll be looking at him again this week um, to repeat that against the Raiders side. Likewise, Tom Malolo, a lot of people are buying him. He's another one that could be a, a good captaincy option because the Raiders got absolutely ripped up the middle against the Rabbits. The Rabbits tore him to shreds up the middle of the ruck. And um, Tom Malolo loves that run behind the markers run off JT. They're looking pretty good, the Cowboys. I liked um, how they finished off that second half last week, and I think they got a lot of confidence from it. All the Cohen Hess owners as well will probably be looking at another try the way he goes against sides like the Raiders. The Raiders, on the other hand, they, they look like they were taking a couple of steps forward a couple of weeks ago, and then they took a couple of steps backwards again on the weekend against the Bunnies. Um, Josh Papali starting at lock again. So he's back up there. But other than that, they've got the same side. I think the Cowboys might towel up the Raiders here. No, probably right, mate. 100%. So Perso, Captain Tal Malolo this week? You're always good up. I think I'm going to captain uh, for further, but um, Tal Malolo against the Titans is very enticing. Anything else interesting in this game for you? No, not really. 
thought you were going to be one of the most interesting games this weekend, but yeah, there we go. Well, the last one's less interesting for me, but I know it's going to be very interesting for you being a Tigers fan. Battle of the West, the uh, Parramatta Eels versus the West Tigers. So the Eels obviously got their first win, and because of that, they're not going to make too many changes to their side. There were some good performers last week, actually. I thought that the Fords stepped up pretty well for the Eels. The Tigers have got largely the same side as well. Chris Lawrence is the only notable one who's come in and he's starting back in the second row again, pushing Josh Alloway to the bench. But other than that, they're, they're the same as well. Do you reckon your boys will get up this week against the Eels or the Eels will keep on keeping on? No, Tigers should get up. Yeah, they should. But who knows with an arrow. Can you see any relevant, any super coach relevance in this one or anything that you sort of got your eye on? No, not really. Traditionally, it's always a pretty class game, even though the Eels have been struggling. When we beat them the first time, it was still a class game, so see what happens. One of the guys on, on this game that I'm, I am going to be watching is Clint Gutherson, starting at fullback with the captaincy this week. Uh, he's going all right. His uh, prices are dropping nicely. He's definitely <laughs> definitely on the watch list. As soon as his price gets anywhere near a negative blue, you're going to pounce on him. He's a, geez, a genuine super coach option. Yeah, he's playing round 13 as well, so this will be a really good one. He's got a couple of games under his belt for this one. And other than that, guys, that's um, that's pretty much it for TLT. So, Perso, thanks for jumping on again, mate. No worries, buddy. Good luck with the Tigers this week, and um, I hope all your uh, all your two-up guesses tomorrow afternoon go well for you. <laughs> no. All right, everyone, well, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. You can download us on SoundCloud. Otherwise, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, and we're available on iTunes as well. Do share us around. And other than that, good luck with your captaincy choices. It's been tough the last few weeks, but looks like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll catch you again next week. Hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get.